All right, guys, um, before we kick off, I'm going to pray and we'll get into it. Uh, Heavenly Father, um, would you please help us now as we look at this new book, 1 Corinthians, um, to see what we need to see, to hear what we need to hear. Uh, we pray that um, we would listen to the words of Paul and uh, to hear his instruction about um, having our hearts fixed on the life you want us to live and not on this world. I pray that you would help us to see that tonight. Amen. All right, guys, so how was the holidays? Was it good? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, who had a good one? Go on, give us a cheer. Who had a good one? Yeah. Who went to fat? Yeah. Who didn't go to fat? You. Everyone went to fat, that's good. Who played Fortnite? You. Good. Too busy reading your Bibles, what I like to hear. All right. So that was epic. Uh, if you went, you'd know that. Um, if you didn't go, though, I want to catch you guys up on the highlights. Definitely my favourite moment was when we wished Kale's brother a happy birthday. <laughs> I had never met Kale before, Josh, but that was an awesome moment. I love that. Um, also, contenders, the fact that my, my team won second last place. I never want to come last, but I always want to come near to the bottom, just so we can have fun. All right? <laughs> And um, also, of course, you can't go past people falling over in fat games. That is definitely a highlight. If, if, I'm sorry if you aren't someone who finds people falling over funny, but you're wrong. It's always good. Um, but to get serious for a moment, I think the biggest highlight for me across fat guys, and I'm going to get a little bit real cheesy Disney, the, my genuine highlight was you guys. Yeah, aww. But like... Seeing you guys bond as a crew, it was real nice, and hearing you guys like raise the roof when you guys are singing and praising to God, that was epic, and seeing you guys actually in the Bible praying and chatting over this stuff a couple of times a day uh, was absolutely epic. Uh, I, think, um, I think the reason why it's so awesome, Fat, is we're kind of like off in our own little world, away from like the distractions of ordinary life, focused on living together as Christians. It's real sweet. In fact, I reckon it was easy to live as die-hard Christians when we're away together at fat, yeah? It's much easier than regular life. But I've got a question for you. Was it just as easy to live as a Christian when you got home? When you went back to the regular world where most people live and think differently? Now, it was probably epic to get some shower pressure and a clean set of undies. But didn't you find it much harder to live as a Christian in every era of life, when you landed back into a world that lives life completely different to Christians. Now, we need to watch ourselves with this, guys, because if we find we change too much between the times we're with Christians and when we're not, we might find that we're slipping into worldliness. Now, what I mean by worldliness is doing things the world thinks is okay, but the Bible says isn't. Now, I'm not saying you can't change at all when you're hanging out with different people, but there's definitely time, and there's definitely times that you need to chill the Jesus chat. But I am asking you, you guys, how does your Christian life connect with the way you're living the rest of your life? Because if they if they are worlds apart, there's a real danger you might be being worldly. If you're a Christian, then you actually want to make sure that there's little separation between your two worlds. The way you live life at youth or at fat should be the same way you live amongst your mates at school with your family at home, with those people you work with? This is the big question we're wrestling with tonight. Are we living as Christians in the world, or are we living as worldly Christians? 
It's the big question Paul is asking the Corinthian church in this book we're reading, 1 Corinthians, because the way Paul sees the Corinthians living is a worldly way. Now, they're doing church, uh, good church things, like talking about God and getting together regularly to church, as a church, but they're adding on all these things the world loves, loves into their church that God actually hates. Paul would say this about the Corinthians, they are Christians still living for the world. He actually says this straight up. If we fast forward a little bit into chapter 3, he says these words up on screen. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. Now, to be clear here, they are still addressed as Christians, but they aren't living like it. They're still worldly. I'll give you some examples of how the Christians were worldly. They argued over which Christian leader they should follow rather than actually bonding together over the same love for Jesus. In Corinth, they saw sex as just a disposable pleasure. With anyone, boy or girl, married or unmarried, it didn't matter. And the Corinthians, they celebrated all kinds of diversity of lifestyle and religions, even when those things insulted God. They did these things because it's what normal people did in Corinth, the city they lived in. And in many ways, it's actually very similar to the way Coasties live. Like, you only have to spend five seconds on Facebook to see how we argue in comment sections and how we care more about being right than getting along. And with sex today, the expectation if you're a teenager is that you're having sex. And if you haven't already had sex before you left high school, then there's something wrong with you. Our society today also says diversity means never disagreeing with someone's lifestyle, even if it's destructive. Our worlds aren't very different, and the dangers of falling into worldliness are incredibly similar to that of these Corinthians that we're talking about tonight. And that takes us to the reason Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians and to people like us. It's to help us see ways we are holding on to the way our culture lives instead of grabbing hold of the life God wants us to live. So tonight, we need to think about, are we, EV youth like the Corinthians, Christians still living for the world? You see, when we became Christians, we were actually meant to leave our old ways of life behind and take on God's new way. But are we struggling to let go of this world and what other people around us are chasing? Are we going along with the world? This letter is going to help us to see where we are like the Corinthians and where we need to come back to what's at the center of Christianity because it's so easy to get distracted or off-tracked by the world. And the Corinthians are so far off-track tonight that we are looking to two very basic points Paul makes to try and bring them back to living living the way back on track. So we're going to be reminded by Paul tonight of who we are as Christians and what we have been given as Christians. And this is how Paul actually starts his letter, and it's going to unpack how far from this core Christian stuff the Corinthians have drifted. And this is going to help us to see as well how we, are living, how we can be living as Christians in God's world and not as worldly Christians. Now, if it's your first time here tonight, and, or if you're still a little bit unsure about whether you're a Christian, I'm totally stoked you're here. Tonight will be really helpful for you just to get some clarity on what it means to be a Christian and what it looks like to be a Christian. So first off, in a passage tonight, Paul wants to bring us back to who we are as Christians. He's reminding us this because we can even lose sight of something as basic as this and get it wrong. It starts this in verse 2, if you've got your Bibles open. 
In verse 2, we see we're God's people, not Corinthian people. Take a look at the first few words of verse 2. To the church of God in Corinth. Now, at first, this, these couple of words is just simply saying Paul is writing to the people who belong to the church of God in Corinth. But it's a clever choice of words. I want you guys to read it again slowly. To the church of God in Corinth. Paul says it this way because he's making a point about who the church is about. It's about God, not Corinth. And you guys in Corinth aren't acting like the church of God at all. You're acting more like you're the church of Corinth. You're more on about, on about the, the Corinthian things than the things of God. It's like these Corinthians are taking church and how God says it should be, and they're adding their own little flavor to it. Now, I need to use a really old meme to show you what I mean here. All through this book, Paul is going to talk about a bunch of things this church is doing, these worldly things that they're adding on to church. A little bit of sexual immorality here, some judgmentalism there. Oh, and don't forget arguing about who the best leader in church is. This is just a few things that come up in the first few chapters of this book, and it's not good at all. But Paul is showing us here, you actually can't add stuff to God's plan for church. It's already perfect. God's original flavor is the best flavor. And the Corinthians are guilty of this, and they need to be reminded that this is the church of God, not the church of Corinth. So Paul is very deliberate in explaining again what church is for them. But I reckon we can be guilty of doing something like this ourselves when we try and blend similar parts of our world into our Christian lives as well. Maybe we think it's actually okay for Christians to drink underage at parties. Or maybe it's okay to break some boundaries with a guy or girl as long as we love them. Or maybe it's okay to swear a little bit if it means I can still hang out with my mates. Guys, we can be sellouts just like the Corinthians when we let worldly, worldly stuff slip into the way we live our Christian lives. That's why Paul reminds us and the Corinthians, we are the church of God. We are people of his standards, not worldly standards. And the second thing Paul reminds us of is also that we are a forgiven people. It's the next line of the passage, if you continue on in verse 2. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, sanctified here just means washed clean and made pure. And Paul takes the time to remind the Corinthians they are sanctified and of exactly what Jesus does for us when we ask for his forgiveness. His death on the cross counts for us. Our guilt for disobeying God is washed away. We are those sanctified by Christ. And this is an obvious thing for Paul to point out to a bunch of Christians. But he does it again because it's their worldliness that means they need reminding. Paul reminds the Corinthians they are a purified people back in relationship with God and that they don't carry the guilt of sin or the fear of death. They're actually safe in Jesus. If you're a Christian, forgiven by Jesus, it's exactly the same for you. We need to remember this, not only so we're more forgiving ourselves, but so we're also thankful, for, thankful in our lives in response to who we are. We are saved ones. The third thing about our Christian identity Paul wants us to make super clear and to the Corinthians and us is that we are Jesus' holy people. Now carry on where we left off in verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and 
called to be his holy people, together with all of those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Christians who are sanctified by Jesus are also called to be his holy people. That takes commitment. And the Corinthians, in their worldliness, were battling with this. What they needed to hear was, while they are forgiven and washed clean, we are also called to live a new life for God. A holy life that's actually the good life, the life we were made for, unpacked for us in his Bible. Now, the Corinthians are sanctified. They're not supposed to return to their rebellious life, the life that everyone else was living around them. Because that way was offensive to God. That's the life they were actually rescued from. Going to, back to that way of life would be like us asking God to rescue us from danger and Him pulling us into His life raft. But only after doing that, we completely forget the dangers of the water we came out of and we jump right back in again. Friends, it's easy for us to get, sorry, easy for us to forget and for us to slip back into our old ways. We go back online and we search that stuff we know grieves God. When we're feeling lonely, we might crave more physical affection from our boyfriend or girlfriend. I want you guys to actually do a check for yourselves tonight. Are there any old patterns or behaviors you know God hates but you've fallen back into? And I want you to ask God tonight to rescue back out of these behaviors. So we are Jesus' holy people called to be set apart and different to the people around us. We are not to be anything else. And Paul's next big point tonight shows us why that's such a good thing, as he reminds us what we have been given as Christians. Now, we need reminding of this because we can actually lose sight of how awesome the stuff God gives us is. And we have been given two really sweet things. The first is we're given the tools to live as Christians. Have a look at verse 5 with me. For in him... Jesus, you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. So do you catch there the tools we've been given to live for God? It says there in verse 5, you've been enriched in every way with speech and knowledge of Jesus that can make the Christian life better. But there's even more if you skip over to verse 7. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. The Corinthians as well don't lack any gift or any part of church that a group of Christians could want. They have all the building blocks to become a stronger, better church. God is behind this church and has given these gifts to them because he wants to see them grow. How good is that? But Paul points to this particularly because the Corinthian church actually had a lot of these impressive gifts, but he actually wanted them to do more with them. They were good speakers, the Corinthians were good leaders and smart people. But we read later in just this chapter that what they used a lot of those gifts for was just arguing about which leader was more important. Paul gives thanks to God for these gifts amongst the Corinthians because they have potential to grow the church heaps and he doesn't want less important things like arguments to get in the way. And if you look at EV Youth, we're kind of in the same boat. Now, some of you guys have been taught the Bible since you guys can walk. You guys are smart, educated, and many of you are good talkers. Now, this is a gifting from God, this passage teaches us. And I want to call you guys out and make sure you, as well as the Corinthians, will use these gifts God has given you for good things as well, not worldly things. 
But one of the most awesome things we've been given as Christians comes in verse 8, and it's the assurance God has hold of us. Take a look at verse 8. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God holds on to the Corinthian, uh, sorry, onto the Christians in Corinth like he holds on to Christians today. They have assurance God's with them to the end. He has hold of us. And he will, live up, he will help us live our lives with Jesus as our Lord so we will be blameless before Jesus when he comes back to take his followers to heaven. We aren't alone or without help. He has given us each other and his spirit, which we read about in Ephesians, that seals us for God, guaranteeing our inheritance when Jesus comes back. This guarantee, I reckon, is a little bit like an indestructible leg rope uh, that is tying us to God in the surf. If now, if you, if, even if we're terrible surfers or we get knocked off our board heaps, we're actually always going to stay connected to that board because of the leg rope. We'll always stay connected to our board that helps us back into the shore at the end of the day. Now, if we're connected to God, even if life knocks us about and even if we stuff up, we will make it to eternal life. We have an assurance that will make it, that'll help us make the distance. Paul is reminding the Corinthians, why would you attach yourself to anything else? The pursuits of this world, like status, popularity, money, power or position, none of that stuff will matter in eternity. So why are you Corinthians chasing after worldly things? But we have to be careful as well. Paul is asking us the same question. What worldly things are we binding ourselves onto that can distract us from God or even push God out of the picture? Maybe it's we aren't willing to be unpopular for God. Maybe it's we aren't willing to put God ahead of doing well at school. Maybe we aren't willing to let go of the physical stuff we're doing with a guy or girl. Or maybe it's that person that we're not willing uh, to let go of that's taking the place of God. Guys, we need to make sure we aren't attached to worldly things because they are dangerous things that can pull us away from God. But remember, attached to God, we have an unbreakable assurance we are heading home to Him when Jesus returns. It's these good gifts God gives Christians that Paul wants to remind the Corinthians of so they might see how their focus has actually shifted and come back to God. So that brings me to the final thing I want to show you guys, and it's a little further on in Corinthians, and it's we need to realize something big. There you go. We need to realize something big. Now, we've just begun this book, um, but from this point in, Paul is going to be getting heaps mad and frustrated with the Corinthians for the way they're doing things. He's going to be correcting their thinking and stuff that's gone horribly wrong in the way that they've drifted into worldliness. He's angry and frustrated because they need to realize something they keep missing. And it's the whole reason he's been taking us back to the basics of who Christians are. It's because, Christian, it's because Corinthians have a problem with worldliness and they need to realize it. It's what's behind most of the problems Paul will go on to talk about in the rest of this letter. And he says it to them directly in, in chapter 3, which I read for you in the intro. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, merely infants in Christ. So although these guys are Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, 
Their lives don't look like ones led by God's Spirit or His Word. They're worldly. They are still holding on to the things that conflict with the holy life God has set them apart for. He calls them infants, baby Christians, that need to go back to basics because they've lost their way so much. It's kind of like their high schoolers that years ago learned to read, write and get their pen license and all that stuff, but failed to use and practice these things. So now they're high schoolers that are struggling to even read, just putting squiggles on the page as they write, and they can't even grip a pen properly. So they actually need to go back to primary school to learn the basics. The Corinthians are like this. They've already lost sight of the gospel and their life they're supposed to live. They need to now go back to the basics so they can understand. That's why Paul sets up this chapter in chapter 1 to look so closely at what it means to be a Christian because the Corinthians have gotten so lost in worldliness. But this is going to be an incredible helpful message for us to hear as well because we have a culture and a world that can have the same effect on us. So where are you at with worldliness in your life? Are you living as Christians in the world or are you living as worldly Christians? We need to, I need you guys to make that call for yourself, but I reckon there's two things that might help you spot it. The first is, be careful your worldliness isn't hidden amongst good stuff. Now, if you're someone who gets to youth each week, maybe even you read the Bible most days and pray a lot, it might be easy to think that you're going to be all good when it comes to worldliness in your life. But worldliness isn't about doing good thing, do, uh, isn't about good things you are or aren't doing. Sorry, it's actually about uh, it's about worldly it's worldly things you try and add to your life at the cost of God. Just because you might be ticking some boxes in some places doesn't mean you've got worldly boxes still living in your life. Looks can be deceptive. Jono's talks on idols during fat shows us that there are many things we can add on to our lives around good things that can quickly become more important than God. We can let the good we do from God also excuse our sin and let sin go unchecked in our lives. So it's important, guys, tonight to take a deep look at yourselves. The second thing uh, that will help us spot worldliness is to remember the world won't tell you you're doing anything wrong. The world won't tell you you're doing anything wrong in regards to worldliness because the world is living life in opposition to God. When you do something worldly, the world won't even notice. You need to be the one that is careful to spot when you are doing something worldly and stop it because the world might actually do the opposite and say you're doing something good. Often when the world says, good job for being a laid-back Christian or maybe being a progressive Christian, it might actually be because your choices are, making, are more agreeing with the world than God. So we actually can't rely on the world to tell us whether we're being worldly. So I want to challenge you again with this tonight. Are you living as, a Christ, as Christians in the world or are you living as worldly Christians? But as we finish up, I also want to remember the gifts that Paul reminds us of in the passage we looked at tonight. We've been given the tools our church, uh, the tools our church needs to grow us. We've also been given an awesome, unbreakable assurance God will hold on to his people until the end. And most importantly, we have forgiveness in Jesus, the grace of God to send his son to rescue us. 
Live for these things and be discerning about the world. And choose what God offers over what the world offers. So let's give thanks now for what God has given us and ask that these truths will help us to weed out the worldliness in our lives.